It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Steve and Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight with Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, yes. I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Dan, Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Well, look, if you listen to this show, you'll know that we told you that we didn't think Hunter Dickinson was going to go to the NBA draft and stay in the draft. I told you. I just didn't think it was happening. I didn't believe, still don't believe, that Hunter Dickinson was going to be a first-round draft pick. And look, very talented kid. There are very few seven-plus footers in college basketball with the type of athleticism, the type of power, the type of moves he possesses. But I, I just thought later on in the season, as it waned, it just it, it didn't seem like he was going to jump to the top of anybody's draft board. And if you're a Michigan fan, believe me, this is huge news. The fact that Hunter Dickinson withdrew his name and is staying at Michigan for his sophomore season is a big deal. I mean, you look at what he brings to the table. You look at at not only his 17 point or his 14 points a game, seven and a half ish rebounds, 60% shooting from the field. That's a big deal. You partner him with Eli Brooks, who's going to give you, you know, whether or not Eli Brooks is a starter, uh, he brings a ton of experience to the table. And you partner that even further along with the, this class that's coming in, the number one ranked class in college basketball coming in. Uh, look, you got yet four top 40 players. Class is led by Caleb Houston out of Florida. Musa Diabate out of, out of the IMG Academy down in Bradenton. And you got Frankie Collins coming in from Las Vegas and Kobe Bufkin coming in from Grand Rapids. This is a nice class. This is, this is, this is, if you, if you liked where the Wolverines were last year, you're going to like the Wolverines of 2021, believe me. So I, I, I don't, I hope I'm not overstating this, Nick, and, and believe me, it's, it's distinctly possible that I am, but the fact that Hunter Dickinson decided to come back is a huge, huge deal for Juwan Howard, a huge deal for this team and a big deal for this program. He's going to provide a lot of continuity out of that position and for this team going forward. And I think the 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 the, the offseason kind of set of goals that we're setting is this team is going to be one of the best teams in college basketball. Yeah, that should be the expectation. I think it was a little closer than you might want to to put on. I think he was a little closer to declaring for the NBA draft uh than than maybe we expected. A couple weeks ago. Well, maybe, but look, I, at, at the end of the day, the, the info that he gets from teams is the info he gets from teams. I mean, it, it, it's not like it's really changed. I mean, he, he worked out for two teams in, in Sacramento and Oklahoma city. 
also attended the G League camp. And he wasn't invited to the combine. And and at that point, he told reporters he was 50-50 then. And he was hearing he'd be a mid to late second round pick. And at that point, you just don't go. You don't go. I'm under the belief that he's going to improve. I'm under the belief that this team is going to make him better. Uh, I, I could very, very easily see him being a lottery pick next year. I mean, this team is going to be better than last year on paper for sure. But with, with a couple of these pieces that they bring back, there's going to be a, a nice bit of, of some of that veteran experienced talent. And there's going to be a, an, an infusion of young new talent. And that's a good thing, considering what we've seen out of the coaching job John Howard's done over the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, they're going to lose some players. They're losing Franz Wagner, still going to the NBA draft. Uh, Isaiah Livers, who at yep. one point was their best player last mm-hmm. year. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're losing Shawnee Brown, who was a huge spark plug for the team off the bench. Especially in, in, the, in the tournament. Especially in the tournament. They're also bringing in Coastal Carolina transfer Devontae Jones, who was the Sunbelt Player of the Year last year. Averaged mm-hmm. 19 points per game, uh, over seven rebounds, just shy of three assists per game. Uh, not a great shooter. Uh, he shot about 37% from behind the three-point line last year. He was under 30% the year before. But they're br- uh, bringing in a nice veteran guard uh, to help out that backcourt. So, yeah, th- on paper, they will be better than they were last year. Now they're the hunted, though. Of course, well, and that's a whole different uh, position to be in. Uh, and and look, what that team did last year was miraculous. I mean, they went from being a, a team that nobody was talking about. They were at one point the number one team in the country, and and they made a nice, valiant effort uh, uh, push in the tourney without arguably their best player and Isaiah Livers. So I think when when you look at what the building blocks are, when you look at at how they're constructed, yeah, this is going to be a nice team. It's going to be a nice team to watch. And having Hunter Dickinson back is it just it's it's the icing on the cake. I mean, this team was going to be good without Hunter Dickinson. Yeah. And now Hunter and now, Dickinson, sorry to uh, cut you off. Hunter Dickinson did mention that this name, image, and likeness factored into his decision. And as an app. As it should. So if he was a fringe first-round pick, if he was like an early second-round pick, late first, and say, for example, next year he's like just after the lottery. He's like the the 17th pick or something like that. Sure. He could get in the lottery, but I think he might be, I don't know, he might be a little old. He, he, he'll be 21 in November, so he'll be 22 by the time his NBA career starts, assuming he comes out after his sophomore season. That's a good point. So that money he's going to make this year in name, image, and likeness could be like kind of insurance money. It, it could yeah. be that money, that difference between being a second-round pick this year and being like a late first-round pick th- next year. Like that, I, it, that money could be made up very easily by Hunter Dickinson this year. He's at Michigan, jump man school. He'll be on TV all the time. He's a, he'll be a preseason All-American. He's going to make money this year. Jump man, jump man, jump man. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, look, here's the deal is I think that the the NIL stuff is going to be a 
big, it's going to be a big deal for a lot of those. And I'm not calling Hunter Dickinson a fringe guy, but somebody who at this point was looking at a, you know, second, uh, mid to late second round pick. It's going to be a really important for those guys. Somebody that's going to be a heavy contributor to your team. And, and perhaps they're not ready to be that first round pick yet. Uh, this is a nice incentive to keep some of these guys around. And, and maybe this is, I, I don't know if this is an unintended consequence of, of the NIL stuff, but if, if, if you're somebody, no, look, it, it's a, it's a good spot, a good example here for Michigan, because you've got a guy like Hunter Dickinson that will instantly make this team better. They are a better team with Hunter Dickinson than, than if he were to declare for the NBA draft and keep his name in the, in the, in the, in the mix, because now he's going to come back. He's going to make a little dough. And if what you, if what he says is to be believed where he wants to have that normal college experience, he wants to go to the big house, wants to see a football uh, game with, with uh, over a hundred thousand people there. He wants to go and take pictures with other students around campus. He wants to have that experience. He'll be able to have it this year. And and he'll be able to make some coin. And like you mentioned, it, it, it's a perfect word. It's kind of like an insurance policy. Yeah. I mean, he'll, he'll finally gonna, get the college experience. Some- yeah. Like I didn't even think of that. He'll get the college experience he missed out on last year. Yep. So it's it. And he said, that's important. He told reporters this week that it's, that's important to him. And if that's it, then cool. Um, by the way, uh, thanks to our good friends out at rocket mortgage classic. Uh, what a tournament. Uh, we were we were lucky enough to be there on Sunday, if, as as it was a wild finish down the stretch, five playoff holes, and it, you know it's 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 really a testament to the folks at Rocket Mortgage. It's a testament to to the guys like Tim Burkmeyer, Jay Farner, Mark Hollis. Certainly, Trina Scott has been instrumental in 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 getting this thing off the ground and keeping it humming. But Jason Langwell, Casey Herbis, and, and that whole crew uh, deserve all the credit in the world. Uh, DGC is a fantastic venue. It's a fantastic course with a bunch of fantastic people running that uh, that operation. Um, grounds crews all the way up. It, 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 it was just an absolutely stunning event. Uh, again, coming off of, of some, some historic rainfall, some historic storms and flooding. They were just able to to turn that thing around so quickly, and I thought it was an excellent event. And and coming off a year where we weren't allowed to have fans, where fans weren't allowed to be on the on the course, I thought it was fantastic. I, I thought it was it was absolutely perfect. And it's almost it's almost like how does it get better? How does it get better? Yeah. But they're gonna find a way. Yeah, I mean, I just think next year will be better by virtue of not having the final round on the fourth of July, which is just kind of yeah. unlucky on their part. But yeah. still, the atmosphere was was great on Sunday. It was great all week, um, even dating back to Wednesday when we were there with every, yep. with all of our shows. But uh, yeah, it was just a great time, and and they made the best of a, a crappy situation with the weather. I mean, some of the pictures and videos from oh. earlier in the week, it looked like 18 was flooded. Flooded. And then if you were there Sunday, you wouldn't even know. The, there wasn't a blade of grass wet. I mean, it was incredible. So hats off to them. A fantastic, fantastic tournament. And and believe me, if if we know anything, uh, those folks are going to make it better. Somehow, somehow uh, they will make it better. So uh, congratulations to all the folks out there. Uh, and, and here's the cool thing. We love our golf here in the state of Michigan. 
We've got two premier tour events. The first is over. The second is this week. We'll talk about that next. Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy, more on Sports Wrap next. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. Well, as you know, we've got a couple of big-time golf tournaments in this state. One, we just finished up down at the Rocket Mortgage Classic at DGC. The next taking place in just a couple of days. This one up at Midland Country Club, which is a fantastic track. Uh, And this time, it's the LPGA getting underway with the Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational. And our buddy Chris Chandler, the executive director of the Dow GLBI, is on the other end of our line. And uh, Chris, I know that uh, you guys are probably in the position now where you're excited to get this thing going, but probably just making a couple other uh, last-minute decisions and and getting everything ready to go uh, for, for next week. I know you guys are excited. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, the build out here is is looking great, and you know, first and foremost, we're uh, we're just really happy we can have fans and and be back at uh, doing these big time events uh, again this year. You know, we we took 2020 off uh, because of the pandemic, got canceled on the LPGA tour, but uh, you know, in 2019 was our inaugural year, and we had uh, such awesome support from our community and sponsors and partners around the board and the LPGA and the, the players just loved this team format event. And so we are just, we're ready here. We're, we're in the great lakes Bay region up in Midland at the country club, and we are just ready to uh, host this event and, and bring something out that hopefully people can get excited about and feel safe uh, attending, you know, big scale events again and, um, and welcome all these players of the best in the world back to Midland. Yeah, so we're you get started on uh, Monday, and it, you you talked about the the interesting format because it's a little different than other stops on the tour. But you talk about all four days, players will be alternating rounds of foursomes, and that's an alternate shot format. And then you've got the four ball best ball competition as well. What makes that so appealing for for these players? That by the way, your field is outrageous. You've got the best players in the world. Talk to me about why they like it so much. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it kind of makes easy sense. Uh, they they play stroke play every week, week in, week out. And uh, we made this format. Um, it kind of goes with a lot of our DAO models of, of Team DAO. And we said, you know, let's let's talk to the LPGA about doing a team format event and how, how fun it would be and different. And even in some conversations with the LPGA and Mike Wan back at the time, the commissioner, uh, they had wanted to do a team event and they just hadn't found the right partner to do that yet. And so we said, Hey, let's do it. And, you know, the cool part is the players get to choose their own uh, teammates. Uh, and there's nothing else like it on tour. This is official money, official points, $2.3 million purse. We're actually the highest purse outside of their majors and, and tour championship. So the players love it. They get to pick their friends, their sisters, uh whoever they they want to play with and uh just it's kind of fun it's a little bit casual uh from the weekend week out grind on their own and uh, a week before a major before they go over to europe for a major uh i think they like coming here and, and we we treat them really well yeah and you guys uh do a, a first-rate job i know 
Our Paul W. Smith will be out there Tuesday morning, so I know we're looking forward to that. But in terms of other players you've got coming in, of course you've got uh, Jasmine Swanapora and, and Sidney Clayton. They're the defending champs. But you talk about the 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 uh, an incredible field led by the number one ranked player in the world, Nelly Corda. I, I know you guys take a lot of pride in putting on a good tournament, but you're getting the top of the, the, the cream of the crop in terms of talent here. Yeah, we, you know, I don't know if it's just being lucky or good or what it is, but we've got an awesome field this year. And if anybody wants to come out and see the best of the best, they're, they're pretty much all here, as you said, uh, yeah, starting with, with Nellie, she's playing with her sister, Jessica, again. I mean, they're both top 10 players in the world, uh, so they'll be paired together. So, obviously, that's a favorite uh, team um, that should be up top of the leaderboard. Uh, Brooke Henderson will be here. She's playing with Inji Chun. Uh, another top uh, team, Danielle Kang and Lydia Ko. Uh, Lydia's already got a win on tour this year, mm-hmm. both top 15 players in the world. Uh, the Jutanyagarn sisters from Thailand area and Moria are playing together again. They teamed up in 2019 as well and had a really good finish here. I think they were in the top five in 2019. You know, Moria just, or area just won that event over in Thailand a few weeks ago. Brittany Lincecum will be here. I mean, the list just goes on and on with all of the, all of the top players are going to be here, which is awesome. It's actually, we have 10 out of the top 10 on the 21 uh, money list, we've got nine of the top 10 on the Solheim Cup uh, USA team list, and we've got all three major champion winners uh, this year um, coming in. It's incredible. So what you're telling me is we're going to see a clinic out there. That's <laughs> what you're telling me. <laughs> it's it's going to be some good golf, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, we're looking at the course setup with the LPGA rules team, and you know, we're kind of looking at this field like, holy cow, they're going to, they're going to go low. I mean, Sydney and Jasmine in 2019, they just played outstanding. I mean, they ended up winning by seven shots uh, at, you know, at minus 27, um, you know, over the team format. And so we'll see, yeah, we'll see what they do. I would expect the scores to be in the, in the mid twenties under par after four days. Yeah. I, I did just briefly touch on the fact that we've got two big time tournaments in this state. One, the LPGA uh, Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational and, of course, the Rocket Mortgage Classic, which we just wrapped up uh, last weekend. But th- there was a nice crossover between between these two tournaments and the John Shippen. And you've got a couple players that are that w- were given the exemption to play in this tournament. How important is that for you to uh, to welcome in those players? And then, I mean, look, we're, we're just every I think everybody's excited to expand the game of golf here. So. Um, again, getting the, the exposure to play on tour with a lot of these incredible players, I got to imagine is pretty special for you guys. Yeah, this was just uh, kind of one of those partnerships uh, that it, all the stars aligned right. And, you know, it's actually a first of its kind partnership uh, with an LPGA tour event partnering with a PGA tour event like this. Um, and so, yeah, uh, the, the John Shippen, what an awesome event the Rocket you know, Mortgage put on down there. Um, in, in providing opportunities for those players. Uh, so the winners on the female side, uh, Shasta Avery Hart and Anita Uwadia, um, both playing on Symmetra Tour right now. Shasta's been on, on and off the Symmetra Tour for many years. Um, and uh, Anita's uh, fairly new on, on uh, the mm-hmm. Symmetra Tour. And yeah, we're, we're excited they'll be up here 
playing uh, Wednesday, Thursday. Hopefully they make the cut and they'll they'll play the weekend too. But um, what an awesome opportunity for them. Shasta is a local girl from Flint, uh, Michigan, if you didn't know that. Uh, so hopefully, you know, some folks will come out and, and root her on. No doubt. Uh, you guys do a lot of great things for, for people in the community, fans especially. Vets get in free all week. Kids 17 and under get in free. And then tickets are starting just as low as $10. Talk to me real quickly before we got to go about how people can find tickets. Yeah, on on our website, uh, .com. Uh Yeah, you mentioned it, tickets there on sale. And I tell you what, one of the best value tickets out there, $45 is an upgraded ticket. Gets you into four hospitality decks on on course with food and beverage included. So uh, please, yeah, come on out. Doesn't sound half bad, Chris. Uh, congratulations <laughs> on on uh, ahead of this. I know you're uh, just finishing all the fine details up. We look forward to another fantastic event uh, for the Dow GLBI. I always appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, guys. There he is, Chris Chandler, executive director of the Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational. Getting started this week. Now back to more sports wrap presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. The Tampa Bay Lightnings go back to back. They win the Stanley Cup over the Montreal Canadiens in five. And here's what I took out of this particular run from Tampa Bay. I am, look, I'm a big Steve Eisman guy. I believe in what he's doing. I think he's made shrewd moves. I think he's he's come in here with a with a nice, fresh set of eyes. And I think what he's doing is this is what needs to happen. You know, trading away one of your, what is perceived to be one of your, your best players acquiring another young player, acquiring draft capital. Trading Anthony Mantha was maybe on the outside. Some fans will go, why would they trade Anthony Mantha? Well, it's because you're going to get a young player back that has a lot of upside and perhaps will be a player here in the future. And you're getting a first round draft pick. It's a a big deal. It was a huge trade. And quite frankly, I think Steve Eiserman fleeced the Capitals. Now, what I took out of this Stanley Cup Finals is you look at the players that made up this team and and you look up some of the the bigger contributors and they're homegrown. Now, the only two kind of cornerstone players that were already there when Steve Eiserman took the job in 2011, two players, big players. Victor Hedman was there, and Steven Stamkos was there. They went in 2009 and 2008, respectively, both to Tampa. But you look at some of the other players who names you heard a lot over the last couple of years on this nice run that the Bolts are on. Alex Kalorn. Oh, excuse me. Alex Kalorn was there as well. He was drafted in 2007. Nikita Kucherov, drafted in 2011. That's Steve Eisman's first draft class in the second round. Andre Palat 
was taken in 2011 in the seventh round. Braden Point taken in 2014 in the third round. Ben Thomas there in 2014 taken in the fourth round. Andre Vasilevsky taken in 2012 in the first round. These were cornerstone pieces to that team that helped them win back-to-back Stanley Cups. And while the Red Wings are a ways away, I look at at the the chemical makeup, the 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 makeup of how this team is built. And I can only express to you pure, unadulterated excitement. The fact that Steve Eiserman built a juggernaut in a place like Tampa Bay, in a place that was, uh, they were pretty frequently one of the bottom teams in the league. And you, and you look at how they've transformed that roster and, and it all starts with identifying talent, identifying players that are going to help this team, that are going to be contributors on this team, be it on the power play, be it on the penalty kill, five-on-five situations, identifying a goalie for the future. I mean, these are, these are big-time moves by a guy who is now with this organization uh, really in a, in a third capacity, first being a player, second as a front office man, and then now leading the whole thing. I'm incredibly, incredibly excited for the future of the Red Wings. I'm a big hockey guy. I love Red Wing hockey. And I just, I, I couldn't help but feel again, sort of how I felt last year, but last year was a weird year with COVID. And, and you look at, and, and remember, Three years ago, they got bounced in the first round, and it was an absolute shocker because they were the odds-on favorite to win the Stanley Cup. So this team is was loaded for bear, tons of talent, and I just love the fact that you identify talent specifically in later rounds. And and I I just look to what this regime led by Steve Eiserman is going to do here. So I understand that that people were upset that the ping pong balls didn't fall the way that the Red Wings would have liked. I know everybody would have liked Owen Power here from Michigan. I know that that was that was a an, an intriguing piece to all of this, but the fact that that Steve Eiserman and and his scouts and his team can identify real talent later in the rounds is is incredibly exciting to me. And then players that you either pick up through trades through free agency, guys like Luke Shen, David Savard, you know, certainly elder statesmen of the league that are still going to be heavy, heavily, uh, heavy, heavy contributors to a Stanley cup winning team. Uh, Nick, I don't know about you. And, and again, this, it, it, I just have incredibly, incredibly high hopes for the Red Wings under Steve Eiserman. Yeah. I mean, you look at cap space across the NHL, the only team with more cap space than the Detroit Red Wings is the Seattle Kraken because they have nobody on their roster right now. <laughs> the Detroit Red Wings have $48 million of projected cap space. And do you know how many players they have signed past next season? Three. Three? Three. 
Wow. Dylan Larkin has two years left on his uh, $6.1 million cap hit. Richard Panic, who is the other guy in that uh, Anthony Mantha, Jacob Vrana trade, yep. has two years left at 2.75. And then they have Wyatt Newpower, who's on a like a, a two-way deal, who probably won't be – might not be on the roster. So what this means is they have the, the absolute maximum amount of flexibility. They've got, they've got the ability now to pivot any which way they like. And look, I don't think that they're at a point where they're going to go out and start spending money on top-end free agents. They're just not there yet. No, but it, it – I mean, for how long were we looking at these contracts like, oh, oh my gosh, this this Ablocator contract. The Ablocator, the Darren Helm deal. Yeah, Franz uh, Nielsen contract. Like, oh. when are we going to get out of these? They're we're done. Out. Done. Even Danny DeKaiser, one year left. It, it – it's it's really an impressive job by Steve Eiserman in just a couple of short years. I mean, really, it it, it it's it, it again. I I kind of liken it to what the Pistons have done. You get in and you just tear it down, tear burn it down to the ground. And once you're in a position to let some of these young guys get a lot of playing time, to let some of these 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 younger players who you hope will have a, an impact on your team in the future and this organization in the future, get them some playing time and, and get them some experience because that will help them when you're, when you're not expected to do, you know, you're not expected to make the playoffs. You're not expected to win any playoff series, but the fact that you're in there, you're mixing it up on, at the, at the highest level will only serve them well. And that's what they've done. Now, the only difference is it didn't help them that the ping pong balls didn't fall the way that the Pistons did. So look, they're going to go, they're going to look, they're going to go all over the board. They're going to go and look at, at what's going on over in Sweden. They've got a couple of guys, William Eklund, who's a, a forward, a smaller guy, 5'10", who could be an option there for him at number six. Outside of, of Owen Sound, it, this is, they're going to have options there. So I'm very excited where this thing is going. More sports wrap next. Now back to more Sports Wrap, presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. Uh, also, I don't know if you've been watching, but something striking, no pun intended, is happening in Major League Baseball. And I'm not talking about the emergence of Casey Mize, which is very nice. That's something else you got to watch because the Tigers are playing pretty good baseball. But we're seeing something that I, I don't, I mean, I, I've never seen. I, I don't think you've ever seen it. And I don't think we've seen it in modern baseball. I mean, I'm talking about in the last 40 years, 30 years. I just don't, I don't think it exists. I think we're watching a unicorn. And I'm talking about the Angels' Shohei Otani. He is, Nick, I, I don't I, I don't know what he is. Is He's not a five-tool player. <laughs> Ten? What is he? What, yeah. I mean, what is he? Yeah. I, I, I just don't know. I've never, I've never seen anybody like him. And we've seen incredible players 
in Major League Baseball. Incredible. Guys do things that you just, you, you don't know how they do it. But it usually happens on, on one side of the plate or another. You know, how Max Scherzer has been able to keep up this level of dominance is incredible. Justin Verlander, the way that he has pitched for, for the, the vast majority of his career is incredible. The way guys like Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, uh, uh, you know, those guys hit the ball a mile long and you just don't know how they do it. Ken Griffey Jr., another, how do they do it? How are these guys so gifted and, and specialized in what they do? It's incredible. But what Shohei Otani is doing this year is, is on a, a different level. And you would think with somebody like him and his skill set that he would be, I mean, I you know, you would think he'd be making just... Uh, truckloads of money. So Nick, I, I want to, I want you to give me some of his numbers because, and, and remember Shohei Otani is a pitcher stands on the mound and throws pitches. The art of pitching is it is, it's an art. It's a, it's a, it's like a dance. It's so precise. It's so, it, it can be so unpredictable. And there are just some days where you got it or you don't, but, but he is, he's on a different plane. So I want you to give me some of his pitching stats. He's made uh, 13 starts. Uh, he's four and one. He has an ERA of 3.49, a whip of 1.2. He has 87 strikeouts in 67 innings. So Pretty good four, numbers. Four and one, an ERA of about three and a half. Pretty good and, numbers. And more than a strikeout per inning. Like, I would take that. Yeah. Like th- those, are, those are good numbers. Now, I want you to give me his batting numbers. By the way, plays for the Angels. Plays so for the Angels. He's played uh, 81 games as a DH or outfielder. He has 32 home runs, 69 RBI. He's walked 36 times. He has an average uh, about 279 uh, on base of 364, slugging of 700 for an OPS of 1.064. And we all know how much everyone loves war. Oh, yeah. Years. His war is 3.7 through just half the season, which is crazy. Crazy. It's It's nuts. So he's listed as a pitcher. He is a pitcher, but he also plays the outfield, plays DH. He plays everywhere, everywhere. This dude is a force. This dude is, I mean, I I don't know. Could you just, do we even need to have like an ESPY awards this year? Could we just give every award to Shohei Otani? What he is doing is I want to paint you a picture. This is, and this, Detroit is in the mix here. I want to take you back to mid-June. It was a Tuesday. June 15th, he homered in a 6-4 loss to Oakland. Wednesday, he had two hits, including another homer, and a stolen base. Thursday, he was on the mound. 
threw six one-run innings against Detroit and drew two walks while hitting second in the lineup. And he had a wild uh, fielding play. Friday, back at it at DH, homer twice, uh, hours after he told everybody that he'd be participating in the home run derby, which is, uh, what, a couple of days away. Saturday, homer. It's the first time in a hundred, a century, anyone has ever hit five homers and picked up a win in Major League Baseball. Oh, and then, by the way, on Sunday, he homered again. This guy is a, he is a freak to the highest nature. He is a freak to the highest degree. And the most stunning, the most, the absolute, the, the absolute unfathomableness uh, of all of this is how much money Shohei Otani is making. Nick, could you provide those numbers for me? He's making $3 million this year. So he was arbitration eligible last year, so he went to arbitration with the Angels. They settled on a two-year, $8.5 million contract. He uh, was asking for $3.3 million. The Angels countered with two point five. Instead of going to an arbitration hearing, they settled for a three-year or I'm sorry, a $3 million contract this year, five and a half next year. Oh my God. It's unbelievable. It, 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 it's, it's just unbelievable. Thomas Nito, who is a catcher for the Mets, uh, had, a, had a, a response to a sporting news tweet back from, uh, I believe this was in 2018. When Shohei Otani was making his way to the States to play Major League Baseball. In the sporting news tweet, it said this. MLB scouts believe Shohei Otani won't be able to hit big league pitching. Quote, he's basically a high school hitter. <laughs> uh, Thomas Nito says turned out to be really a, a, a really freaking good high school hitter. Another one of my uh, favorite retweets to this. Uh, this is from a, a fantasy baseball site. Razball. Uh, he's basically like a high school hitter. Huh. Yeah, if all the pitchers were kindergartners. What this guy is doing is off the charts insane. It's insanity. And by the way, to top it all off, we got the uh, the All-Star game coming up here in the next couple of days. He made it as a DH, and he made it as a starting pitcher. He's going to play both positions. If there's one thing that I urge you to do this year, watch Shohei Otani. Because more than likely, if he's on the mound, he's, he'll dazzle you. If he's at the plate, he'll dazzle you. If he's in the field, he'll dazzle you. It's incredible. Do yourself a favor and watch this kid. He's unbelievable. 25 years old. He's only going to get better. All right, that's going to do it for us. We will see you back here tomorrow night, Sunday, 6 o'clock. Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy. We'll see you then.